Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. This is the Private Placement Perspective Series, where we are talking all about the world of venture capital and investing in venture stage startups. And with me on the line from Flint Capital, flintcap.com, I think it is. I'll share, I'll yeah. share the actual domain for everybody in a moment. Uh, but, uh, Sergey, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, uh, thank you for coming in. Yeah, no, it's a privilege is all mine, man. Uh, so thank you for being here. So why don't you kick us off, um, Sergey, and give us a little bit of uh, context for you know what you guys are doing over there at Flint Cap. Uh, sure. Uh, so we international venture fund, uh, early stage one, a third fund now. Uh, we do early stage, which means usually seed uh, early rounds. Uh, fairly broad in terms of uh, spectrum. Uh, we do B2B, B2C. We have fintech, cybersecurity, digital health, DevOps. Uh, I think all, all, all us are operator in the, operators in the past, so we kind of tend to, if we can understand, basically we can invest. Uh, we're a little bit different from most of the funds in the sense what we run completely distributed shops. So the team actually never worked from single office. We, we, the whole team is distributed. Three partners, two, two principals. Uh, three of us actually in Boston area. One partner is in Europe and we have principal in Israel. So the whole team uh, is distributed between different places and we do a lot of cross-border transactions. I would say about half of our portfolio Israeli companies, quarter Europe, quarter US, plus or minus. All right. Fantastic. So tell us, um, who are you looking? I know you mentioned any kind of industry. Are they are your stages of startups that you look to back? Are they, are they like revenue generating typically? Are they pre-revenue? Um, and uh, what's a typical check size look like? So check sizes, anywhere, the first check is anywhere from half a million to five, uh, depending on the stage. And usually we keep at least half of the funds for follow-on, so usually we try to, uh, to do priority at least for several rounds. Uh, on top of it, we also have, we had a first closing in our opportunity fund, so we can put a bigger checks from opportunity fund uh, up to like 10 million checks, mostly in portfolio companies. So keeping priority in later rounds or even putting super priority, that's about the check sizes. And stage-wise, it's usually... Uh, it, it, it little bit depends on the segment and the company. Sometimes we would go in when we really love the team and we love the idea. We could go in as early as basically the idea. Um, but in many cases, we would look for at least some initial traction, which means maybe just paying customers or in case of B2C, uh, to see enough of the data to convince us what uh, actually the retention is good, retention is good. People are using service. We need this service, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I would say uh, anywhere from like the idea stage to uh, like first signs of product market fit. In some cases, in case of A, we would go in at later stage, but that's kind of our sweet spot, I would say. All righty, fantastic. Um, and what kind of investment activity have you guys been uh, doing at, you know, over the last few years? I see you've got, a, I've got your portfolio up for everybody. 
Uh, it's quite an amazing uh, spread of companies. Uh, so we're, we're fairly active. I mean, <laughs> usually typical question people ask nowadays, uh, how active are you now? Because a lot of funds are kind of sitting on their money. We uh, actually right now we're closing our third uh, deal this year since January. So we did close two deals and the one I think was signed yesterday. So we can say it's already closed. So we, we're fairly active. Uh, not, not everybody, we kind of, we're not, we're not announcing the deals. It's up to the company to announce the deals. So we actually did a couple of deals last year, for example, which is still not, not announced. Uh, but it's, it's up to company. Yeah, to that's good, man. Well, let's, let's double click on what you just said there. So, um, I, I have a kind of a standing question around, uh, you know, around, um, around the macroeconomics and stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously you're not sitting on cash, I would imagine. Well, you are, but you're not, if you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and so yeah. how much uh, how much of an impact does this current economic climate play on you in terms of your ability to, not your ability to cut checks, but your appetite to cut checks? So uh, I think we're lucky. Our LPs, at least, uh, we just did capital call. We had no problems with any of our LPs uh, wiring the money. And uh, so we have money to invest. We have that powder. We can, we can do whatever we, uh, we like. Uh, but yeah, right now, a lot of funds are not doing much because I've heard from a bunch of different funds what some of them can do the capital call because some of the LPs can turn, uh, basically said to them, we're not going to wire the money. So you're kind of sitting on, in kind of catch 22 situation. If you do capital call, you're kind of screwing up your LPs and nobody wants to do it. So people are just kind of, I, I know at least several funds which are kind of, uh, sitting on their money. Some of them are saying we are waiting for different times. Some of them are still meeting with startups, which I understand them, but it's probably bad for startups because startups don't know who they're talking to, if they're actually looking at them or they're not going to invest anyway. So uh, I think very certainly kind of downturn. There is certainly way less money available right now than it used to be like a year and a half ago from what we see. Uh, the, the valuations are going down and we can see it across like different geographies too. Mm. I think in US it's more profound than in Israel. Israel is usually lagging by like six months plus or minus in, in these trends. Uh, but even there, what I see is a lot of companies are struggling to raise their rounds. I see a lot of, uh, last year, I saw a lot of companies who basically just doing extensions. So, uh, in, they, they would even bring, uh, some of the new investors at the same deals we did a year or a year and a half ago at the same terms, or they would do saves with, uh, existing investors pretty preferable uh, terms. So a lot of these rounds, I think, are also not uh, announced. So if you look at the numbers uh, in all kinds of surveys, it, it's hard to tell what is true and what what is not because 
uh, a lot of rounds for the last year. I, I, for example, know a couple companies in my portfolio which did rounds, never announced them. So mm. uh, from, from the outside, if you look at PitchBook or Crunchbase, looks like we haven't done any rounds for the last two years, which is not exactly accurate. So I think the whole market is kind of a little bit in like vague state, you can say. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that you're landing there, uh, Sergey, because I know I have a big network of startups that I can tap you into uh, if you're interested in it. And so I talk to these guys every week. And one of the key things that I'm hearing, it's it, there's something brewing, you know. Uh, it's like it's very unusual. Like it's it's kind of like all the market indi- indicators are like it's not as bad as, as, you know, as what we're all anticipating it could be. But then – uh, you know, it's uh, when, you know, I've got guys laying off staff, I've got, uh, you know, and these are funded companies, you know, it's like, it's weird, like there's some funny thing happening, no one can really label it. Uh, they can say things in the, in a specific context, like what, with, like what, what you did, right? Like in the sense of, you know, valuations are coming down and maybe they should take on debt and not, you know, do an equity priced round or something like that. But there's definitely something brewing. I, I don't know what it is, uh, in the macro economy, economy rather, but, um, you know, guys are struggling to close their rounds. VCs, as you said, are sitting on their cash. LPs are a little bit, everyone's in this kind of like, holding pattern it sounds like yeah i think there's a lot of kind of limbo in the market in terms of uh nobody knows the real number so if you look at the official number there is probably about twice more dry powder in venture funds when it used to be before COVID. Mm. right now on a paper but the problem is one uh it's not clear how much of this dry powder is real because some LPs kind of in a bad shape, so we can't wire money, so funds are not doing capital calls. And it's kind of, think about it this way. If you have, let's say you have $200 million fund, and you know what some of your LPs can't wire your money, so until you do the capital call, you have $200 million fund. Once you do capital call, you suddenly can realize what instead of $200 million fund, you have $50 million fund or $100 million fund or 70. You don't know. So people just uh, staying and in this state and waiting and basically thinking, okay, we, if we can wait it through. And frankly, as we see, if you don't do a deal uh, during six months or even a year, nothing bad happened, but happens. So people preferring to wait. So that's one problem. Uh, there's whole another problem with like general macro people kind of expecting the economy uh, to get into recession. So people will buy less stuff, which means startups for startups it will be much harder to sell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And on top of it, we just had the whole situation with SVB, which is. An additional big, uh, big wrench into the whole <laughs> engine because, uh, I've seen different estimation of how much money kind of disappeared with SVB collapse, uh, from the market, but it's hard to estimate again because the money which was sitting in SVB, it's fine. But the problem is SVB was so uh important for the ecosystem svb was one of the biggest uh credit 
facilities for venture lending. So it's not clear. Uh, it looks like for now, it looks like whatever the, whoever had the venture lending, the venture line of credit with SVB, they are fine. We still have it. And it was bought by somebody else. But the question, how much, uh, how much more money, uh, SVB will lend in the next year, it's pretty open. Mm-hmm. Uh, SVB also was one of the big fund of funds. So SVB is LP and I don't know how many venture funds. So I don't, frankly, I don't know what's happening with their commitments in our venture funds too. Mm-hmm. So I think there are just way too much unknown in the market. Mm-hmm. And for many investors, if there is like unknown, we can, people are kind of looking at it and saying, okay, we can wait, see, uh, wait a little bit, see what's happening. And we can always start investing later on. Mm. Uh, from another side, I think, uh, for the good startup, it's, uh, it's actually not a bad time. So if you really have a good product, if you, if the product is valuable and people are still buying your product, uh, you need to make sure you kind of, uh, managing your cash. Uh, you need to make sure you, you have enough of the cash to survive a downturn. But if you do it right, uh, after the downturn ends, you will be in much better shape because some of your competition will be gone and you will be very well positioning for the next stage of the growth of the market. So. Mm. Well, you know what they say, Sergey. the best time to start a business is in a depressed market, right? So in a recession, because yeah. if you can come out the other side and things turn around and budgets start to become available and everything starts to be, you know, singing and dancing around the party fire, then, uh, you know, then uh, then you've got a fucking good business. And that's when, you know, go and that's raise your true. money, buddy, <laughs> and go and take on the world, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And if you look, uh, if you look at different vintages of vent- uh, venture funds, actually the best vintages for venture fund was uh, 2008, 2009. So whoever was investing, whoever just raised money in 2008 or 2009, uh, these venture funds did the best returns. Uh, so if everybody is not investing and you are the only game in town, you can find better startups if you can get in at better valuations. And you're going to be rewarded when the market turns. Absolutely. Sergey, you get pitched a lot, I would imagine. Um, what do you look for? Is it the usual uh, things like great team, massive TAM, uh, you know, uh, revenue generating, traction business model, clear idea on, you know, projections, know wh- how much money you want, how, how, you know, how are you going to pay investors back? Um, you know, are those the sorts of things that you look for? Is anything that, uh, that I missed there? So it's, uh, it's pretty standard. You, you kind of named it. Uh, the team is the first, obviously, especially at the early stage, because, uh, fairly often when we invest, we don't have that much traction to rely on, uh, in the company. So team is the most important one. Uh, we want to see the good, great team. We want to see market, which is big enough to, to be able to build a big company in it. We want to see what we are solving real problem and we need to understand what's their competitive advantage. So sometimes you look at a company and it's kind of a blue ocean. It's a new problem. There's no good solution and people provide really good solution. It's, it's a great situation to be in, but sometimes you look at the market and you see it's pretty crowded. Uh, 
Uh, and in this case, it's much more important uh, to understand what actually competitive advantage key and how sustainable it is, uh, how they can replace the existing players in the market. And actually, in many cases, uh, it is a good company, even if the market is crowded. Uh, so team, I would say the first one. And in terms of team, it's like the composition of the team. It's actual people, dynamic between people. Uh, I like to talk to the whole team of founders and see the dynamic. Sometimes it's more important for me the dynamic between them than the each one personally, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergey, where does it go wrong? Like when you think about the last, you know, 10 deals that you said no to, is there a common mistake or, you know, where does it go wrong? Is it a mis, mis- and is it kind of like, like, is it the dynamics between the team? Like a mis, a, a kind of like a unrealistic projection of revenue in the future, unrealistic terms, like where does it go south for you? Uh, so different, uh, and, uh, in- it's important to understand, I think, what when investors say no, it doesn't mean the company is bad. It just means what for certain investor, the probability profile versus like what he is getting is just not the correct profile for certain investor, which means nothing for another investor. So it's not like, uh, well, sometimes when you look at idea and you understand what the idea is just like, it's never going to fly. Even in that case, sometimes uh, against the all odds, it may fly. But most of the cases, when you look at it and you're saying, okay, so here the probability, uh, let's say the market is pretty competitive already. Uh, already there are like a bunch of people doing something similar. And you think the team is, the team looks okay, but it's not like a great team. So in total, in all these things together, you kind of say, okay, is there is a chance this company succeed? Yes, but can uh, can it be a big company? Probably very, very, very low chance. So the kind of probability-wise, it's probably not a good deal for us. So that's one example. So in many cases, actually, uh, if the market is crowded, if you're like if it's just an our solution, then in many cases the problem. Uh, is the competitive landscape and competitive advantage. If we would don't see like clear competitive advantage and the market is already crowded, that's probably no. Uh, and I would think if we don't like the team too much, if it's like we missing some expertise and it's not clear we, we know how to get this expertise, uh, I think, I think projections are I mean, nobody really believes the projections people are putting, uh, to tell you the truth. It's more like the kind of lackmus test. You want to see what people think in the right way. So, for example, let's say you look at projections and you see they are selling a lot of stuff and they have zero marketing budget. Uh, so you look at it and you say, okay, guys, unless you can tell me how you're going to sell it without any marketing budget, you probably never thought about uh, this in the right way. You never sold, you never kind of uh, did this in previous careers or something like that. Uh, because you want to see what people kind of 
understand how much we will have to put in the marketing in order to sell. Uh, that's one example. Another example, like uh, typical problem of like uh, team which is really technical and we don't have any go-to-market person in the team. Like ninety percent of the budget goes towards the R and D and product, and very small number goes to go to market portion. And we kind of think, okay, we're gonna build, and people will come and just will love us and will use our product. Right? Can right. it happen? Yeah, theoretically, but most of the chance <laughs> it's not gonna be that way. Yeah, fair enough. So. Tell me, um, what's been Flint's biggest success? and its biggest failure and what would you say made the difference so uh, uh in some sense we were lucky i think uh, in some of our successes uh, like in the first one we, uh, we have three companies which are fund return companies so it means what uh, each one of them returns more than a fund uh, one, we were in a company called WalkMe. It's an Israeli company which did IPO about a couple of years ago. Uh, and we also have two other companies which are still alive and doing well and with no exits. But, uh, we, we in, uh, we did the first round. We actually were the first money in company called Flow Health. Uh, which is number one up in the world for women's health. Actually, in terms of numbers, uh, several months ago, they were more than my fitness pal, so we're probably number one up in the whole wellness category. We're doing more than 100 million monthly users nowadays, et cetera. So we were actually the first check in the company. We were really involved in the company early on. Uh, companies doing great now and another company from the first fund which is also a great company is a company called Sopure which is a US based company uh, doing digital identity there we led a round last round was about a year and a half ago at 4.5 billion valuation uh, led by Excel uh, also really great company I'm, uh, I'm still on the board still in world or frankly uh, at this stage uh, you don't really need me it's more like uh, I enjoy being there because it's a great company uh, but a different uh, I think uh, in pretty much all the company which are successful one we were at some point very involved with the company uh, we probably much more involved in early stage because that's where we can add more value. Uh, so usually when we, we invest at seed or A rounds, uh, most of my founders, I usually have uh, by at least bi-weekly calls with them. And frankly, some of them are calling me way more often. Uh, I'm always online, always on WhatsApp. So we usually communicate a lot. Um, that's about successes. If you ask about failure, I mean, we, we had a bunch of them. Uh, uh, the big question is what to define as a failure, because I don't think what if companies, uh, folding, I don't think it's a failure. We, we in high risk business. So unless we do take risks, uh, we're just not doing well, uh, our job well. So. It's pretty natural what, uh, like almost half of our companies are going to go either to zero or to like, uh, cents on the dollar. Uh, so I think, uh, this is not a failure. The failure 
in my opinion, for us is when, so from time to time, we're kind of coming back to our decision and kind of looking back at them and say, if we would have exactly the same information we had when we decided to invest, would we have a different decision? Would we decide to invest today, knowing kind of having all this experience for all these years, or today, if we would have the same information as yesterday, we would decide not to invest. So we have a couple of uh, companies like that, and usually, uh, pretty much, is, I think in most of the cases, usually it comes down to team, actually. So usually when we look back and say, yeah, uh, today I wouldn't invest in company like this. Uh, usually it comes down to, okay, we've seen some indicators, what we team is not good enough, what we team is not coachable or whatever, uh, but we kind of didn't pay attention to, uh, to these indicators. That's, that's usually, that's probably, uh, you can call it a failure because but, uh, from our side, the failure is always, it's a learning exercise. <laughs> We're all learning. So yeah. uh, it's just expensive learning exercise. That's, that's true, but it's still learning exercise. So we're trying to make, uh, to learn from, uh, to, from these mistakes and kind of making sure uh, we're not making them again. So hmm. for example, uh, we do have a couple companies when we figured out early enough what the founders are just not coachable at all. Yeah. And right now, one of the one of the things we always check uh, when we talk to references, uh, are these founders are willing to listen to people? Because generally, uh, you have people who would listen to everything you say and just do whatever you say. And usually it's not a good founders because they they would listen to everybody. They would have no uh, no opinion of their own. And the other side is people who wouldn't listen to anybody. And basically they would do whatever they decide is right. And it's also really bad because uh, the best founders are somewhere in the middle. The best founders will get the input from everybody uh, who can give them an input and they decide themselves. So sometimes they would listen to you and sometimes they would sell, say to you, okay, thank you for input. I think differently and that's what I will do. And that's the best founders. That's the founders you want to invest in. Um, cool. And tell me, um, what is one piece of advice you would like to give a founder today looking to raise capital now? The market being what it is, um, you know, what's, what's your advice to them? So given the market, actually, <laughs> a lot of founders are very limited in their choices. But I think... Uh, this advice is important at any given point and when the market is bad or the market is good, uh, make sure you do as much due diligence on investors as you can. Mm. Uh, I think it's very important. Uh, I think it's very important to understand uh, what, what I say to all my founders, always talk to our founders uh, from this fund portfolio before you take their money. And ask these founders uh, how these investors on a on a board, how they behave when things go bad. Uh, would we support the company if things go bad? Would we support the founder, or how they would 
uh, how would we be, be, uh, be behaving in this side, uh, stage? Because especially when things are going bad, when the market is bad, that's when you see different types of investors. That's when you see the investors who would basically try to make sure their companies uh, getting everything we can give them. Like, for example, in the situation of SVB, I know there were a bunch of funds who were kind of, okay, giving advice to their uh, portfolio companies, but they they were kind, kind of, okay, you need to figure it out. And there were funds who were really working around the clock to try to help their companies. Uh, I mean, I told uh, at least one of my companies, they, uh, we had a question if they can open bank account in US quickly enough to run the payroll. So basically we, we said to a couple of our companies, what if you really need, if you can't open the bank account, if, and we can just run payroll from our GP uh, bank account, we can do it. Uh, and I know, I know a bunch of VCs who actually said they will be helping companies to run payroll, emergency loans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think event like this shows really well who, uh, VCs who will be helping and who are VCs who will be kind of useless on a cap table. So any founder need to do their due diligence, make sure to talk to any references you can, because you're going to be stuck with these VCs for like six, seven, eight years at least. God damn it. <laughs> That's a nightmare. <laughs> Getting yeah. stuck with them for 10 years. <laughs> it's true well, though, right? It's like a, it's a very, I think it's such an important point because it's always like, yeah, like it's the, the, the startup must get DD done on them, you know, and, and yeah. uh, what you're saying, it goes both ways, right? It takes two to tango. So, and you don't, I mean, Look, if you're going to give away X, whatever the equity is of your company, like it's the most expensive form of financing. So you don't want to fuck that up, right? You want to make sure like you're yeah. getting in bed with people who are going to allow you the space to fail. Like the, I had a guy on the show this morning and he raised money and, you know, COVID happened and they, and basically all the millions that he raised for a product never saw the lights of day. Um, and, you know, and his investors stuck with him. You know, and they they allowed him the space to fail so that he could build the product he needed to build post COVID, and that's what they've now done. And they and that product has now you know been successful. But if he didn't have a forward thinking, uh, you know, uh, investor a team behind him, like that story would have ended in a very bad way. You know. Oh yeah. Um, and so you you know you're a hundred percent a hundred percent correct. Um, Sergey, could I uh, just maybe ask you this one? When you think about this world of venture capital, right? Um, what keeps you up at night about it? Like when you're staring at the ceiling and you can't sleep and you're thinking about venture capital, like what is? Why are you staring at the ceiling? Uh, so um, right now there's a lot of uncertainty. For example, and I think uh, it's like then you look at second half of 2020 or 2021, it was like oversupply of money, valuation was skyrocketing, and basically everything went bonanza one way. And right now everything just goes the other way. Uh, so the problem is uh, a lot of this stuff is actually uh, more kind of hype and FOMO and like psychological thing when we actually market. Uh, so uh, one of the problems we may have now, for example, 
people just completely stop investing. And if you have too many people completely stop investing, there will be a lot of startups who are actually good companies who will die just because nobody gives them money because no money available. Uh, so I think big swings to the market, they can, they can last for a year or two. Eventually it will even out. Eventually I think that certain downturn is good for, mar- for the market because frankly valuations were really high. So some correction is good. Uh, but what I'm afraid is what there will be too much overcorrection on our side, which will kind of, uh, really screw up the, uh, a lot of startups for like a couple of years, then it will take us way, way longer to get to where we were before that. So that's one thing. I mean, uh, look at this way. You always have, as we see, you always have some kind of crisis on your hand because when you start up, when you founder of a startup, you have a roller coaster in your startup usually. And it's a one lo- roller coaster. Uh, when you VC, let's say you sit on 10 boards, it means you have 10 roller coasters going in at the same time. So in some of them, you're in a good shape and everything is kind of nice, but probably at any given point in time, you have one or two companies who are struggling. Even at the best times, even at the best markets, you still always have a problem here or there. Uh, so... Different nights, it's a different nightmare. <laughs> it's like uh, now you need to help one problem where you work as a shrink with founders because one of the founders want to leave because he's just too tired. And the next day you have another company which is somehow struggling to raise the next round. And the next night you will have another problem. So it's kind of... Yeah, your problems uh, today will still be your problems tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so how do you see the world of venture capital evolving in the next 10 years? Obviously, there's AI, there's these sorts of uh, disruptive technologies that seemingly every industry is going to be uh, you know, affected by it. So in what way do you feel VC as an industry is going to change or evolve over the next 10 years? Uh so uh, VC industry is always invo- evolving. Like ra- last three, four years, the amount of capital available to VC grew like probably threefold at least. Uh, you have a lot of small, fu- uh, small new funds. The number of funds, I don't, I don't have exact numbers, but I, uh, at least from what I s- kind of feel, the number of funds grew significantly, which is, I think is a great thing because founders have many more options, uh, more money available, different GPs. Uh, so each startup can find their uh, kind of perfect investor. Uh, we will, I, I think uh, we'll see a lot of interesting stuff going on with AI. AI is certainly developing really quickly. And I think what kind of amazed a lot of people how quickly actually is developing so like difference between gpt3 and gpt4 is amazing and it took just several months from one version to another so if we kind of uh 
see where it's going, I would guess what in two, three years, where AI will be in completely different uh, state than we see now. And to be frank, nobody, I think, can really predict where we will be. So I think uh, I, I don't, it's like for the last five years, a lot of people would say we invest in AI. We, we never actually said we invest in AI because I think uh, the right way to do it, you invest in product. And by now, probably the last five years, if you're building a product without using in some shape or form AI, you're probably building yesterday's product. Mm. So everybody, uh, by now it's pretty clear to everybody. By now, like uh, every startup you look, uh, they understand what we have to build something using AI probably because it just like uh, where technology is going. So we'll probably see in several years AI pretty much everywhere available to every person. I mean, I, I, I was actually amazed how quickly people started to use it. I found myself what I use GPC chat every day for at least several times a day for like a bunch of different stuff mm. without like even thinking about it. Uh, and I think that's where everybody will find themselves. will have AI embedded in a lot of products. Uh, mm. uh, and it also will allow people to move much, much quicker. So we need to expect what, like, uh, if yesterday you would need a team of 20, uh, 20 programmers to build certain product, uh, today you need a couple people who will program AI prompts and the AI will actually build this product in like a couple days mm. and you can iterate much quicker. You can uh, develop products much quicker. So I think the speed uh, will be much, much it, 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 everything will be just much, much faster than, when it used to be. So mm. obviously VC will have to adapt to it. Uh, startups will have to adapt to it. So uh, just evolution is speeding up and it's speeding up at like next level speed. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. I was, yeah, I was, I was the whole stink this morning on uh, YouTube is the de the de dollarization of like the reserve currency of the world, you know. Um, so that's now this flavor of the month. So it's like AI last week, the, you know, the end of uh, <laughs> the US dollar. You know, and next month, next week will be another thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's uh, it's an interesting uh, time to be alive, man. That's for sure. Well, oh, look, yeah. Sergey, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy, and I uh, appreciate you giving your perspective on the world of venture capital. I appreciate you for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anytime. It's fun. Thanks, everyone. Bye now. Thank you. Bye.